Welcome to the Swim Swim Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Austin, Texas. We are joined by Yin Yin Lee in Evanston, Illinois, and Jack Spitzer in San Diego, California. What's up, y'all? How's it going? How's your swim? How's your how's your swimming week going? Has anyone swam this week? I swam yesterday oh, for the first time in, in a few months. <laughs> yeah, it was glorious in the sun. I don't know if you guys have heard, but there's some big swimming news coming our way soon. And I heard about this morning, and it, it's pretty big, and people are talking about it. What do you what do you what do you mean? Are you are you about to break news on the swim swim breakdown, Yin Yin? I'm not breaking any news on the Swim Swim Breakdown, but you'll see for you yourself tease tomorrow. Wow. Tomorrow, uh, huh? What's it related actually, I don't to? Know, I don't know if it's tomorrow, but Coleman, you can check the drafts in the WordPress. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Stay I can do that stay, too. <laughs> stay, stay tuned, everyone. Big swim news coming tomorrow. But until yeah. then, we've got swimming analysis for you today. We're starting with the one and only Caleb Dressel, because he returned to racing for the first time since uh, the June 2023 U.S. World Trials. We saw him race short course at the Florida-Virginia Bowl meet. He went 134.9, Negi split in a 200-yard freestyle, and 45.9 in the 100-yard fly, which I, like, it, it, it's like, oh, is that's, that doesn't seem that fast, but then you think about how he's in a speedo and it's October and you're like, Oh, that is pretty fast. But I want your thoughts on what this says about where Dressel is in his prep for the 2024 U S Olympic trials. Yin yin go. I mean, I don't really see why people are making a big deal out of this. I saw <gasps> the swims on meat mobile and I was how like, okay, you. good for him. I mean, there, there are solid swims for October unsuited, all those variables. Um, but it doesn't really say anything about where he's going to be in the long run because ultimately if he's going to make the Olympic team, he can't be swimming the equivalent of a 134.9 in yards or 45.9 in yards. But they're great for where he was. he's at right now, but we'll, we'll have to see what how he performs in bigger meets. This is just the sort of thing that he dropped to excite fans and people are now going to analyze it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> This is all a PR statement. Mm, yeah, <laughs> PR. That's the only reason he did a negative split. Was just to make people <laughs> talk about it. I yeah. think it's I think it's pretty dope, honestly. I I I mean, I don't know how it compares to how he's playing this summer, but it looks it looks like he's having fun. And I think that being able to negative split at one thirty four turn free is is not the easiest feat in on the planet. Um and I've been I've been saying this whole time that I think he's gonna be great next summer with or you know even with child even with child phelps even did with it child. dressel phelps can did do it, it too uh-huh. uh yeah i mean i think this is certainly a good sign right i yeah. think he, he he seems like like jack said he's having fun uh i think yin yin i agree it doesn't tell us a ton but it's like for for an October benchmark of of getting back into it, especially um, he said in an interview, it's going to be out soon that uh, he lost a lot of his power. Right. He had no power at trials and he's been working on that. He got right back in the weight room after trials the Monday after trials ended. 
he was back in the weight room. So he's been building a lot of strength and power. And I think we saw that you see that a lot easier in short course. And it's like to go a 45, nine in the hundred fly, uh, in a speedo, like that's, you gotta, you gotta have some power to do that. Um, and he made it look so easy. So I, I like what I see from daddy Dressel. Not daddy Next Dressel. <laughs> it's gonna be his new name after he beats david popovich just kidding Maybe. i don't i guess we'll see i feel like I that's think... already his nickname people call him that i see it people all the call time him that. At, the <laughs> uh, at the same meet we saw two 500 freeze that i think were fairly significant at that florida virginia duel emma wyant dropped a 439 two Point two in the 500 freestyle that is absolutely her best in season time that's pretty close to her best overall time from last season uh this is her second season now at florida we also saw katie ledecky who i don't really need to tell you who that is go a 443 uh in while she was uh, technically it's a u.s time trial we would call it exhibition but it's not technically an exhibition the the people got mad at me for saying that they're like not an exhibition time trial. <laughs> so Katie Ledecky went at 443, which I thought was a little surprising. Then we also saw on the other side of the country, Claire Tuggle go 439.1 in the 500 free. She's gone, Jack said, five best times uh, in two meets. She's been at, at USC. I want your take. What do you think is the most significant of those three 500 yard freestyles? I think Emma Wyant's performance in the 500 and just her performances in general really popped to me because I've never seen her this fast at an in-season meet. She's not someone that swims super slowly in season, but she's never been super fast either. And obviously, if 439 is insane, 407, 400 IM, I thought that was her most impressive swim of the day and 145, 200 free. And there's a lot of debate right now I saw in the comments over whether Wyant's actually improving at Florida because you don't you don't see a lot of people transfer away from the top program in the country so it's like is she improving or not I personally think last year wasn't last year was good for her but it wasn't great like she didn't she didn't hit a best time in the 500 um she didn't improve a whole lot in the 4am maybe she did but I think people were expecting more out of her last year and the her swim at trials is like we didn't get to see her potential there as well and I think her performing this well at the first meet of the year is a really really good sign for her and hopefully we can see her carry that momentum into the end of the year but this is definitely a really positive start I'm gonna go Claire Tuggle I was there in person cheering on the great UCSD Tridents. Um, now, she looked awesome. Like Coleman said, five best times in in first two meets, which I don't care how anyone does in a season or in a bulk of seasons. I think if you go five best times when you're at that level in by October 18th or whatever, 15th, whatever day it was, I think that's pretty sweet. Um, but she looked really good. Um, her teammate, you know, we last time we talked about USC being being – pretty good this year and her teammate Mina uh, was right behind her um, so both of them going for so where'd she go 441 um, both of them being that that 
that fast and that far ahead of everybody else even i just think is awesome so yeah mm -hmm. especially since usc go ahead go ahead usc definitely performs very fast at these two meets every year at least last year at the usc um invite and the smu classic but this year they're even faster than they were a year before which i think should give them a lot of hype headed into mid-seasons and season you're seeing a lot of new faces show up like mina abraham and there was they had another sprint freestyler um forgot her. oh of uh, vasilisa brun I, I don't know how to say her name uh but she's she's from russia and she's split she went uh 47 5 and 22 0 in sprint free which is really good what? i don't think usc has had a sprint freestyle <laughs> of that caliber in a long time and just they have this freshman class international freshman class at usc has the chimuluski brothers on the men's side that's just been crazy that mile, so far. that mile was beautiful 1441 say, oh, God. that was he was he was slowly descending 26 9 26 7 26 6. It was, it was beautiful. Great. Wow. Did it bring like you to your degrees. knees as a former <laughs> distance swimmer? Were you just like, this is it, beautiful? It brought us to your to, eye. Getting to watch the mile and not swim it was a lot of fun. But it was like 100 <laughs> degrees on that deck. It, it was very mm -hmm. hot. And the pool, they were saying, was not not cooled down too too much. So that, that gives another edge to how fast they swim. That's really interesting. Huh. So it's super hot and they still swam lights out. Good for them. But I think you're both wrong. I, I think <laughs> the fact that two women beat Katie Ledecky in a 500-yard freestyle on the same day, not in the same race, I'll give it to you, but on the same day, we've never seen that happen before. I don't think this is like, oh my God, what's happening to Katie Ledecky? But I do think it's interesting that this is her third year at Florida now. Did an interview with her while I was there. That's coming soon. And she says, you know, she's feeling really comfortable with where she's at. She also said she had a super hard training week the the week prior to when I was there. Um, we've got some cool training footage of her and Bobby Fink duking it out once again, which will be coming soon. But I just thought that was interesting because we've always seen Katie Ledecky go really fast in season times. And so I am curious as to what this means about her end of the season but also just her progressing through this olympic season you know it's like the olympic year you want to be at your best right you want to be building 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 and trending upward and i mean she has a lot of room to trend upward from that i think because her swims were not particularly fast for her but i'm i'm a little interested in if if she's just really tired and if they're just trying to get a, a big chunk of work in before kind of slowly whittling it down um leading into trials but that kind of popped that made me stand back because i don't think we've ever seen katie ledecky swim in season like that before i mean i think she's sort of adjusting to the florida training style because when we saw the majority of her super fast in season swims it was when she was at stanford and back when she was a club swimmer and especially in her Stanford years, we saw a lot of those in-season swims not be able to transfer over into big taper meets. And But while she's at Florida, while she's swimming slower in-season, she's 
going faster at those big championship meets, especially in the distance events. I remember last March, March 2022, she won 821 in the um, 800 at the Westmont Pro Series in March. And people were talking about how that was really slow for her. But then the meet after that, she went 809 at trials, which is like, was her fastest time since 2018 so I think it's definitely just adjusting to the new training style and I know she's been at Florida for two years now but it does take time and I do think we're gonna see less of Katie Ledecky swimming fast especially in longer distance events in the 200 even the 400 long course she's swimming maybe fast times all around but in the 800 1500 I definitely think we're gonna see less of that and I also think this is a bit of uncharted territory, not only because she's still adjusting to Florida training, but because we've, we don't usually see a female swimmer swimming this late into their career doing distance events and being as good as she is. Right. I mean, we've, we have seen her, her entire career just be really, really good. And so for her to kind of fall off from that a bit is unusual, but I, Yin and I agree. I think this is probably fine, but it did freak me out a little bit because I'm like, what's going on with Katie Ledecky? <laughs> but yeah. uh, thanks for bringing me down. <laughs> uh, I, th- I also think Emma is kind of going, had that growing pains year last year. Um, she said that was the smoothest prelims 400 IM at trials she'd ever swum. And I think we would have seen a great one from her that night had she not been DQ'd. So I feel like she kind of has a chip on her shoulder this season. She really wants to prove that, you know, she's in a good spot. And I think we'll see that moving forward from her as well. All right, let's go to World Cup. Uh, The second stop in the World Cup series was in Athens this past weekend. We did top three swims of the meet for the last stop. Give me your top three swims from this meet. I think they might be similar again, but... Let's hear him, Yin Yin. We can start with you. I mean, just same as last week, the theme of these World Cups for the top swimmers has been consistency. And you've been seeing that with Kaylee McEwen every single week throughout this entire year. She nearly breaks a world record in the 50 back. 27.02, that's like four hundreds off the world record. 57.6 in the 100 back makes, I saw a comment saying she makes the best in the world look like age groupers and she was next to Ingrid Will Kylie Moss both two phenomenal backstrokers and she beat them by over a second and this is probably her 10th maybe more 57.100 back swim in the this year and just to think about how only three again I brought this up last week but to think about how only three women in history have done that and she's doing this on a weekly basis and getting close to her world record. That's honestly so impressive to me. And same with Zhang Yufei and her 56-0, 100 fly. She's also been so incredibly consistent, both individually and on relays this year. And she went 55 at the Asian Games, 56-1 at World Championships, 56-0 at the World Cup. And just the consistency from her has been so incredible this year especially when no one else is really hitting that 56 low 55 barrier and she's just sort of showing that she sort of owns the event at this moment and I'm excited for where she's going to be at in Paris 
Yeah, Sarah Sorstrom was saying that she felt that that hundred fly final was um, like an Olympic final, and so that just shows how even more impressive it is that you know you had. I think it was the top three were all medalists in at the Worlds or Tokyo. I forget which one it was, um, but that was impressive. I think Kaylee's tuner back was two two oh six oh. Doesn't sound as impressive compared to you know being a tenth or two off the world record fifty back, but um, you know, the longer early in the season, the longer the race gets, I think the, the closer you are to best times is is more impressive than being able to sprint a 50. Um, so those were mine. Some honorable mentions. I think that Matt Sates uh, still getting into two wins after apparently fracturing his wrist, um, which is maybe a questionable decision going in the middle of the year. Um, I think it's still pretty impressive. And I've, I've always been a Cody Simpson fan and seeing him still get under 52 now, which you know, he's been quick for a while, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, that was an impressive swim. I think that was his first time under 52 all year. I also, I wanted to point out that race period because you had Matt Sates 51.8, Michael Andrew and Cody Simpson tie 51.92, Ben Armbuster 51.99, Chad LeClo 52.2, Trenton Julian 52.2, like six guys at 52.2 or better. And, and they're all within four tenths of each other, like super tight race. And to see, to see that kind of competition this early in the season is just very exciting. I think for some fans all around. Ooh, Cody Simpson broke 49 in the 103 as well. He went 48, nine. Cody Simpson mm-hmm. makes, makes the Olympics next year. Sink or swim quick. I'll swim it. I think I'm, I'm going to swim <laughs> it. Cause I don't think Kyle's going to swim the hundred fly. And I don't see um, I guess Sean Champion also went under 50, 52. So it's going to be between Simpson, Champion, and Temple. It's his, it's his third, it's his, it's at least his third season, like swimming and doing his program with Michael Bull. I think, you it's know, crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> that quick, and we're saying you might make the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, Ben, Ben Armbuster also went under fifty-two. So this race is more competitive than I thought. Whoops. But it it also looks like now that he he has a shot in the four hundred free relay. Yeah. You know, which which is where I think he should be focusing hunter free, hunter fly. Right. I think those are like two really good shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll swim it. I uh, I'll give him a sixth place in the hunter free. Assuming they take six people, I don't know. <laughs> but I think that'd be fun. Um, yeah, I, I'll, my my top list was was more of just highlighting some swims that it's like McEwen and Zhang Yifei are like going nuts. Uh, men's four hundred IM Taito Tabuchi is my favorite name at the World Cup, but uh, you know tagging Matt Sates on the last fifty of that four hundred IM. Like running him down and beating him by eight one hundredths. They they both went four thirteen three, but I loved I, I love to see new guys come up and it's like oh, okay okay Kaito we see you, uh, <laughs> Siobhan Howie almost beating Ruta Melutite in the fifty breast. <laughs> Siobhan Howie going thirty point three is like so impressive to me. In the same session that she went fifty two five in the hundred free. Uh, she went 30.3 in the 50 breast. She just obliterated Sarah Shostrom, Bronte, Bronte Campbell, and Kate Campbell in the 100 free, and then almost beats Ruta in the 50 breast. It's like, dude, she's so good. 
those were uh those were my favorite swims <laughs> mixing it up i like it you know something different i don't want to talk about the same you, you guys got kaylee yeah. McEwen covered uh yeah. next time we'll pick it based solely on the coolest names finishing coolest the names yes exactly kaito tabuchi i already called it yep all right uh and we've got world cup budapest coming up this weekend Mil- Christoph, <laughs> Christoph Milok will not be there in case you missed <laughs> that one. Um, okay, not gonna lie. Why did I expect that? Like, I kind of saw this coming. Yeah, thoughts and prayers to him. <laughs> Hope, hoping he gets <laughs> on his bandwagon soon, but not gonna, not, not gonna see him in action this weekend. Ooh. All right. Uh, we've also got Pan American Games coming up this weekend. Let's talk about that. A, should we even care about this meat? It's a high-level meat, but it do- it does only allow certain countries. It's the Pan-American countries, which is Canada, U.S., and South America, essentially. Uh, B, if we should care about this meat, what should we care about? And what swims are you looking forward to from Santiago, Chile? I mean... I know Canada's sending some of their ace swimmers. At least Maggie McNeil's going. I think she's going to be the biggest name that's there. Um, <laughs> but I'm most curious to see how some of these American swimmers do because a lot of them are people who were really, really close to making that World Championships team. I'm thinking about Noah Nichols, Jack Aikens, Paige Madden. I'm literally just listing UVA swimmers, but <laughs> Kennedy Noble, Dakota Dakota Luther, who went a time that could have that would have made the um, World Championships team. She did it at the pro pro series, not the the pro championships this summer. So there's just a lot of Americans who are capable of making the Olympic team next year, and they're swimming at this meet in this international meet right now. And I think. If there's going to be a few few of them that throw down times that would have made the World Championships team or could throw them in contention in the conversation for the Paris team next year, that that would be really interesting. And there's a lot, I think there are a lot of swimmers who are in that category. And also, there's a lot of former Olympians who struggled this year but could find a way back up next year. Like Brooks Curry, I'm thinking about that. Jake Foster. Um David Curtis is going to be swimming for the first time this fall. He, um, I think he left NC State to train with TAC. We'll get a first look at him. And there's Kobe Carosa. There's just a lot of interesting American names at this meet. I'm just excited. To see, I mean, main one, Burks Curry for me. I think he's only doing a relay. Um, but him being, I think, one of the only two past Olympians with Maggie, maybe. I thought I saw that somewhere. Uh, Jay Litherland. Uh, Oh, Jay Zo too. Uh, he see him. I know that he was a little bit disappointed after his uh, swim at nationals. So seeing bounce backs from both both of them would be. He cool. swam really well. It's just that the field. That's what I thought, but he. That's um, I don't know his words. He was just like I thought I was going to go a little bit faster, but or I think it was four eleven, four ten, four eleven. Is not bad at a national meet without much competition. But yeah, so yeah. I'm looking forward to watching both of them. Yeah, I think uh, when you see everyone in the world, like, you know, go sub 410, 
411 is a good time, but you kind of kind of want a little more there, especially if one of them's your training partner, or two of them are your he training went, partner. You went 410, <laughs> not 411, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting storylines from the American front. I think Paige Madden, who just moved from Loughborough to ASU, I will be interested to see how she's swimming. Um, Katie DeLoof, who also uh, trains at Loughborough now, both both prior Olympians in 21 and then have both kind of been quiet the last couple of years. Um, I'll be interested to see what they can do. It's always nice seeing kind of rising talent from the college and high school ranks. Um, on the women's side, there's a lot of uh, college talent that, yeah, like you guys said, had a great trials and we'll see what they can do um, on the men's side. Dude, Zane Grothy is still doing it. He's swimming the 200 free individually at this meet, which I think is awesome. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what he's got. Um, again, not a former Olympian, but, you know, at one point was the guy for U.S. distance swimming. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, on the, on the men's side, we've also got um, Jay and Brooks who are Olympians from the last cycle. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be an okay meet. I think it's always this, this meet is always a pretty good indicator of who might have a really good shot at making that Olympic team. I think the one that sticks out to me in the past was um, in 2015, like Natalie Coughlin went 59 0 leading off the foreigner medley relay in the hunter back. And that time would have made the Olympic team the next year. She was not able to repeat that at trials, but we usually see some really fast swims at this meet from Americans that it's like, that could make the Olympic team. Or, you know, it's like, oh, that immediately puts them in the conversation. So I'm excited to see who among our team kind of breaks out and, and has swims like that. Speaking of college, because we weren't, uh, <laughs> A conversation we have been having a lot on this show and in many, many comment sections is uh, there's higher attendance dual meets this fall. Dual meets are cool again. I don't know if they were ever cool, but they're cool now. Uh, exactly. They're cool now. Um, we've seen the UNCW Tennessee Fens meet. We saw the second edition of Battle of the Burr with Georgetown and Howard. Uh, we've got UVA and Texas coming up with a crazy lineup that I think they're going to be previewing soon. Uh, how do you feel like not only more engaging dual meet formats, but higher attendance at these dual meets is changing the landscape of college swimming in terms of in-season mattering, right? I mean, you used to not even tune into college swimming until mid-season, and now now swim swam's humping and bumping every week because because we've got a lot of dual meet times that really matter i mean just not just within the realm of college the nca season specifically but when you think about this from a recruiting perspective i don't think attendance is going to be the make is going to be like one of the main factors that someone as to why someone chooses school but if imagine if a top recruit is choosing between two similar level programs one gets creative and has dual packed dual meets and the other one 
has dual meets at 11 a.m. in front of empty stands. Which which program is the recruit going to choose? And I bet they're going to choose that first program all day, every day. And I don't think people realize how much having a packed atmosphere can affect your performance. And it definitely makes people look forward to competing more and be more motivated at these dual mates rather than just treating dual mates as something that doesn't matter. And it also makes athletic programs see the value of swimming and not not just as something that's a money money burner, which we talked about. And my main takeaway from this is just don't be afraid to get creative. Don't limit yourself by saying swimming is inherently boring. Try new things out. And it, it doesn't hurt because I'm thinking – I bring this up a lot the, about Nebraska women's volleyball filling up a football statement. Last weekend, Iowa women's basketball set an attendance record in Kinnick Stadium. They had 50,000 people fill up their football stadium for a basketball game, and I saw the photos. It was so cool. But just stuff like that, obviously, we're not at that level yet, but just stuff like that brings more eyes to swimming, makes people care, makes the swimmers more engaged, and it's just – Again, don't be afraid to be creative. I mean, I just as a former dual meet swimmer, the the at UCSD we had like one meet a year that like a lot of people would show up to, and it does make a huge difference. You know, that's why it's I'd say a pretty decent reason why meets like trials um, are faster is because when people show up and they're cheering, the atmosphere is different, and it adds to the pressure, which can be usually a good thing um, and make people swim fast rather than just feeling like a practice you're getting up with um, and racing your teammates in. Um, but then for athletic departments, like we've seen a lot get cut or suspended, a lot of different things happening to them in recent years. And, you know, if every single dual meet you're doing is getting whatever, hundreds to a thousand students from the school every week, then that's a, it's a bigger case to, to the athletic department of why not to cut this team, whether it makes money or not. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're, if you're putting butts in seats, even if, even if it's free butts in seats, like that's a good thing, right? People are coming to your university, to your property, to watch your sports teams. Like you're going to make money from that somehow. Um, or yeah. you're, you're going to profit from that somehow, I guess is the yeah, better way to say it. Exactly. And even if you're only selling tickets, let's say you have four home dual meets in a season, you sell tickets, for five dollars, a thousand people show up to every dual meet. That's you're making twenty thousand dollars from ticket money alone, and that that might not cause your program to generate a profit, but it's definitely filling in a huge debt. Yeah, it's something. And people will certainly, I think, especially at the very top, recruits are gonna. Well, maybe not even at the top, at like the mid-major level, when you know there's a lot of schools that are very similar, especially in the same region. Um, yeah, if you on our trip and there's a meet where there's a thousand people cheering versus another one that's just kind of, you know, a swim meet you sit at, uh, that makes a big difference. That's a great point. I mean, you know, it's like if you could not only make a swim meet something where fans want to come to, but where other sports or like other recruits, you know, it's like, think about if, you know, swimmers always come in for recruiting weekends and then we're like, okay, you're going to go to a football game. Like think if you yeah. were a, a tennis athlete or a lacrosse exactly. athlete or whatever, and, and people were like, we're going to go to a swim meet because our swim meets have a thousand people at them and it's really fun. Like how, how cool would that be? And then, um, yeah, again, 
playing with the formats, especially in the fall, right? Where people want to go see sports and they, and, and the weather is nice enough to where they want to be outside and doing things. It's like, if you can have fun events that only last a couple hours, um, you know, then it's like, we've all, I think we've all been to that four hour dual meet that you're just like, Oh my God, when is this going to be over? You know, <laughs> wasn't and, that UVA Florida? Braden was complaining about having to cover me for four hours. I'm not saying what I'm just saying every summer has been, <laughs> been at that dual meet, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and not every dual meet has the luxury of having Olympians on the team and, uh, you know, swimming time trials in between events to, to keep <laughs> fighting. When are they going to start doing that for, for club meets? Because club meets are where it's really at, where you're there for 12 hours, club 6 a.m., 6 p.m., prelims final. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole different story. But <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think hopefully if this happens with college dual meets, this might we might see this trickle down. I was just at a club meet in New Jersey. I talked with you about this um, where, you know, they have a meet. They're like first meet of the season. Everyone swims a 50 of each stroke and 100 IM, you know, and I think a lot of teams do things like that. But like it's something that kids look forward to and get excited about and and actually care about. And like there's cheering and there's energy because it's like it's easy. You know, it's not 10 heats of 500 freestyle. (laughs) You know what I didn't think about money, money from concession stands. That's another thing. Not just ticket money. I mean, you know, make the dual meet free, sell concessions. It's like you're you're probably you're probably doing okay. Sell team gear, have team like gear. With- Dude, everyone loves Rich. t-shirts. Or if yeah. or you sell tickets and say we're giving out free t-shirts. That's yes, sells- yes. Everyone, especially college students, they love free gear. <laughs> the uh, I think the Texas UVA dual meet last year in Austin. Oh. I think they had a t-shirt gun. Everyone, every dual meet needs a gun? t-shirt gun. Every oh, dual meet needs a t-shirt gun. End of Where story. people run out and, who wants one? Oh, yeah, cool. and you're just like, yeah. chup, chup. <laughs> you get a t-shirt, you get a t-shirt. <laughs> Fun fact, I'm swimming. actually, I'm actually wearing a free sweater that I got from a volleyball game right now. So, you know, the impact of free stuff. Yeah. Everyone loves free stuff. Moral of today's breakdown. All right, that's that's our main news for the day. Let's end this segment with some sink or swims. First up today on sink or swim, will there be close to 800 swimmers at the U.S. Open in December? The U.S. Open capped out at 800 swimmers within three hours of registration opening. Last year, we reported there was less than 550 athletes actually at the meet. Uh, we've got some less than thrilled feedback about the meet selling out so quickly, which, you know, I hope I hope it does fill up. I hope there are 800 people there and everyone was just really excited to swim at this meet because it's the Olympic year. It's long course. Everyone wants to swim with the Olympians, yada, yada, yada. Great experience for club people. But do you think it's there's actually going to be 800 swimmers at this meeting, Greensboro come December. I'm going to swim it because this is the long course meet of the fall. And in an Olympic year, every swimmer, at least 
most of the swimmers entered in Olympic trials will try to enter this meet to get that long course racing experience. And when you think about how there aren't many other super big meets going on that will take up swimmers' times, like short course worlds, um, and most mid-season invites will be done by then. And I think people will really want to take this opportunity to get their long course racing in with ample competition before the big meet of June. Whereas in other years, the big long course meet didn't matter as much as, well, it still mattered, but it doesn't matter as much as it will next summer. So I think there will be at least close to 800 people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to swim it too. Um, even last year though, I'm surprised that there was only 550 because that deck was crowded. It's not the biggest, um, you know, Greensboro doesn't have the largest deck. And I remember like having to squeeze through people trying to go to the other pool, other side of the pool. Um, but I think, you know, I don't see a reason why people would sign up and not go uh, this close to the Olympics. Um, I think it is, I understand all the disappointment. Like there's a lot of people, I'm sure the, every college program and everybody that is close to or has trials guys wanted to go. Um, so that's, uh, that's a bummer. Um, but I don't think you can really let more than 800 in on that pool deck. Which is fair. And I'm sure USA Swimming wants to keep it a relatively small meet because they do want to prioritize their top athletes. And I'm assuming a lot of college programs are the ones that kind of had that priority. And so are the ones that are like, oh, we're taking the whole team or something like that. And that's why I'm going to sink it is because I think a lot of teams probably signed up and then we'll see some athletes be like, oh, no, I don't actually want to go or week after thanksgiving and i don't really have a lot of faith in usa swimming at this point in time and i just i just think it's going to be another frustrating situation where it sells out and then we get there and there's going to be 500 athletes instead of 800 and maybe i that's just kind of been the trend of a lot of like the pro swimming type meets uh in the last few years like they kind of want less athletes there and it does suck for a lot of the other people who will have to find another meet to go to long course if they want to get in some LCM racing at the end of the season. But um, I think I, I don't think eight. I would be shocked if even close to 800, if, if, if over 700 athletes show up in Greensboro. I mean, another big factor that wasn't there in previous years is the fact that you can qualify for NCAs through long course swims mm. from the U.S. Open. So that's a motivating factor. So you don't have to worry about getting your cuts in in mid-seasons or at a January last chance meet. So mm. that definitely helps. How would you fix that that problem if, let's say, 200 of those swimmers decide not to go? Is there, do you think there's a way USA Swimming can like do a last-minute entry or something? Or a lot of people are saying they need to make the cuts faster. So it doesn't fill up so quick. What do you think is a better route? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like you already have junior nationals. Uh, honestly, like, I think yeah. it's a great, sure, it's a great experience for kids to go to, for like high school swimmers to go to, but it's like go to junior nationals or like go to a pro swim. Like, you don't, do you really need to be racing in December long or like racing long course in December? Like, I know it's the Olympic year, but like, is one more meet going to really make the difference? It It is a great experience. I'm all for people going 
and swimming with the top of the top swimmers. But like, I don't think this meet is the end all be all for that. Um, especially this year what when is... you have Knoxville, Westmont, and San Antonio that are all they're all slower cuts, and you can swim next to people who are just as fast. What is harder to get, a U.S. Open spot or Taylor Swift tickets? <laughs> Lol. Well, well, Taylor Swift less... sells out in like seconds, and theirs was three hours. So there's there's less U.S. Open spots though. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah, there's like hundreds of thousands of Taylor Swift tickets, right? Probably millions, I assume. Costs a lot more. Costs a lot yeah. more. Which one <laughs> you, would you rather go to? Probably Taylor Swift mm-hmm. concert. I don't even like Taylor Swift, but probably Taylor Swift I concert. The, I go to the U.S. Open. I'm not a Swifty. I'd rather <laughs> see high-level swimming. Dang. Good for you, Yin Yin. You were paid to say that. <laughs> brought to you by the eras tour <laughs> all right next up on sink or swim uh, it was announced that multiple top swimmers on the stanford men's team are redshirting at least this fall semester that includes andre minikov ron polanski and zayer fawn do you think so sorry sink or swim the stanford men will crack the top 15 at NCAAs this year? I am going to swim it only if Minikov comes back for NCAAs because it took 78 points to finish 15th at NCAAs. And having a multi-A finalist swimmer like Minikov, who can probably score like 40 or so points and be a big boost on relays, can make up the majority of that 78 points. And I think other swimmers like Jack Ryan, who finished third in one of the diving events. Oh, I said swimmers, but swimmers and divers um, can finish Athletes. and get double digit points. Um, and they have a really good freshman class. I'm a little skeptical of how much they'll develop in their freshman year, given the history of Stanford swimmers not improving that much. I think they a few of them can scrape by and get a few B final relay points, but Minikov is going to be carrying most of the weight, and I don't think they finished top 15 without him. I'm going to sink it, and I think he's not going to come back. I think Olympic year, I think he's going to choose to to just wait it out, especially when there's questions if they'll even finish in the top 15. Um, and just the level that men's NCAAs is, I think that, yeah, without him, I think that scoring 80-plus points is going to be pretty hard, especially with relays. I think they lost a lot of their relay points from last year um just with all the guys that are redshirting or graduated um so i'm, I'm gonna think that yeah so i didn't uh the article was interesting so it was leon McAllister and one of the other senior johnny afeld um were both you know seniors and they graduated with their degrees and so it's they didn't like leave so much as like choose not to take their fifth year which I feel like at Stanford, that's a very reasonable choice if you have a Stanford degree. And, you know, it's like it's like I'm good on swimming. Um, I'm going to swim it. I, I'll just swim it, period. Uh, so I didn't realize when I wrote this question, I didn't realize it only took 78 points to get 15th, which is no small feat at NCAAs. But 
I think they can scrape by with they have they have good divers. Um, they have great freshmen and they have I I'm confident that Ron Polanski and or Zaire Fawn are just choosing to take lighter class loads or not do school this fall, but will be back for the spring. I don't think Minikoff will be. But I think if they come back, they would add enough depth to to scrape by a 15th place. So that's what I'm going with. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> I forgot I wrote this question. Last up on sink or swim. This is not a sink or a swim, but just a throwing darts at the board randomly. We saw Summer McIntosh go 357 in the 400-yard IM because she is a wunderkind and crazy good swimmer in any format. So we all know that she is not eligible to go in to, so sorry, to swim in college on the NCAA level. But if she were, where do you think she would go and or where do you think would be the best fit for her college program wise? Best fit? Probably the obvious answer is like a Florida um, or an Arizona state, but it would be fun to see you at a Big Ten school, stay close to home near Canada, maybe Indiana. Or I was Wisconsin. like, dude, she lives in Florida. What do you mean close to home? But sorry, yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, I got, meant I got Canada. you. Right? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Maybe, maybe Michigan. Joining her teammate, Canadian teammate Abby Dunford. All right, I what's your final really... answer? Yeah, pick one. Come on. Oh come on! I'm gonna say Michigan just for funsies. You know, mm. Matt Bowie. Matt, Matt, Matt Bowie. Bowie I'm gonna go Charlie Cal. Swanson's there. Okay. Yeah. Um period. I don't have much to I I don't know. I they're getting a lot of a lot of high high caliber people lately and it's it's not too sunny up there, but it's like good weather still. I don't think she's gonna go to Michigan when she's living in Florida. Um it's a little bit of an opposite. I mean Abby Dunford yeah, she... swims at Sarasota and she's going to Michigan, so not the also, same. Oh. <laughs> Abby's also Canadian, right? Yeah, they're yeah. Okay, that's fair. Canada is you know, also cold, but I'm gonna go Cal. Final answer. Final answer, Cal. Uh, wow. So you're many not allowed picks. to say Florida or Virginia. What? Why not? <laughs> it's too obvious. It's boring. <laughs> it's too obvious. Boring. All right, I'm gonna tell you where Summer McIntosh would go. Stanford. <laughs> And go. relay names guy explodes. <laughs> <laughs> she would go to Stanford to get a crazy good degree and go best times in yards because lots of people go to Stanford and do that. <clears throat> and I'm sticking to it. But we'll never know because she's not going to be in the NCAA anyway. I wonder if she will go to college, though. Yeah. Who's I to think say? she would. I mean, a lot of the top swimmers still go to college, like David Popovich. He's in college. It's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. But uh, she won't swim with any of those teams, so boo-hoo. Anyway, that's the Swim Swam Breakdown. Thanks for tuning in today, and make sure to stay tuned to Swim Swam for some very exciting news coming soon. I'll give you a hint. It has to do with college 
commitments.